Thank you for listening to this message from Resurrection Life Church in Granville, Michigan. Now, we are in a series of messages entitled, I Believe. And what we're doing is we're unpacking the Apostles' Creed. Now, the Apostles' Creed is the oldest creed in Christendom. And it can be traced all the way back. Some scholars say to the year 100 when John died. Others say to a year 110. But it was right away as the church is, is really just taking off. We had the Apostles' Creed. Now, the reason that this is important is because the Bible says in the book of Jude, in the third verse, to contend earnestly for the faith which was once for all delivered to the saints. And what that means is this, that what Christians believed in the first century is what Christians are to believe in the 21st century. Right? So we're taking and looking at this creed. In fact, very, very early in the second century, when a person became a Christian, wanted to be water baptized. This was the confession. In fact, the Apostles' Creed was earlier called the rule of faith. That was what it was originally named, the rule of faith. And when you wanted to be baptized in water, you would make the confession of the Apostles' Creed. And by the way, uh, in the New Testament, there are 27 instances of people being baptized in water. And every one of them is post repentance and believing in other words first of all you believe and then you're water baptized not water baptized and then later believe but we're looking at the apostles creed and we're beginning each one of our talks here by confessing it together so let's put it up on the screen and let's read the apostles creed together i believe in god the father almighty maker of heaven and earth and in jesus christ his only son our lord who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he arose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Universal Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. So what we're going to do today, these series always grow on me. I thought maybe that we'd be doing like six parts and how many, what number we're on, and we're not even like about halfway through. But my, my goal was at least to be up to I believe in the Holy Spirit by this week. And the reason is, is because today is Pentecost Sunday. All right. So what we're going to do is we're going to skip ahead and then next week we'll go back just a little bit and then we'll go back ahead. I believe in the Holy Spirit. And I just said today is, a Pentecost, is Pentecost Sunday. Now, Jesus died at Passover. Fifty days later is Pentecost. Both Pentecost and uh, Passover are one of the seven Jewish feasts. All right. Now, on Pentecost, the church is born and the baptism of the Holy Spirit is given. So we're going to take a look at this. And I want to just remind you, even back in the Old Testament, King David said, your spirit is good. And Jesus said, nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it's to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper, the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. Jesus said, it's to our advantage that he leave and he send the Holy Spirit. Send the helper. Other translations say the comforter. Now, it's amazing to me how today 
a lot of Christians are very standoffish when it comes to the Holy Spirit. They're nervous. And I understand why. Because the Holy Spirit has been blamed for a lot of crazy stuff. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, he is telling people don't do stuff, and they say he made me do it. All right? He gets blamed for stuff that he did not do. All right. Matthew chapter 3 and verse 11, John the Baptist makes a prophecy. And this is what he says. He says, I indeed baptize you with water under repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandal I'm not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Now, I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but Jesus' ministry is not over. Jesus has a present day ministry. The book of Hebrews tells us that he ever lives to make intercession for us. In the book of Matthew, Jesus made this statement. I will build my church. Right now, Jesus is making intercession for us. Jesus is building the church. But there is a third part to his ministry. And here we find it. John the Baptist said, he, Jesus, will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. In Acts chapter 1, Jesus has risen from the dead. And the Bible tells us he spends 40 days with his disciples. And during that time... He's talking to them of things pertaining to the kingdom of God. All right? And as he's doing that, this is what he says in verse 4. Being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Jesus is telling them, I have something for you. It is this baptism in the Holy Spirit, and he calls it also the promise of the Father. The baptism of the Holy Spirit, the promise of the Father, two ways to say the exact same experience, right? And that's important, and it'll come to light in just a little bit. But he says, you wait until you receive this. Don't leave the city limits without this. You need this baptism in the Holy Spirit. He said, but you shall receive power The Greek word is dunamis. We get our word dynamite from that word. When the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be witnesses to me. right In Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and unto the end of the earth. Now this is after a 40-day period after Jesus has risen from the dead. And he says you need to wait for the promise of the Father because you're going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. But immediately... When Jesus arose from the dead, he appears to 11 of the disciples that are there. Well, let's put it this way. Uh, Thomas is not there. And he appears and he says to the disciples, he said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he had said this, Jesus breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Now, I want to ask you a question. When Jesus said, receive the Holy Spirit and breathed on them, did they receive the Holy Spirit? This is, I'm going to help you. Okay, they did, right? But yet later Jesus says to them, hey, don't leave Jerusalem because you need to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So having the Holy Spirit on the inside of you and being baptized with the Holy Spirit are two separate and different experiences for the disciples. They did not happen at the same time. In fact, Jesus has breathed on them. 
But now, in Acts chapter 2, the day of Pentecost had fully come. They were all in one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a mush rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. There appeared unto them divided or cloven tongues as of fire, set upon each one of them. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, here's my thesis, that when you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit comes and lives inside you. That is automatic. But you are not automatically baptized in the Holy Spirit. He's living inside you. But yet Jesus said to disciples who had received the Holy Spirit, you wait in the city of Jerusalem until you're endued with power from on high. He said, you wait for the promise of the Father because you're going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. You can love God, worship God, serve God, and not be baptized in the Holy Spirit. You can go to heaven and not be baptized in the Holy Spirit. However, Jesus, the head of the church, wants to empower you to be a witness. Right? The, the, really, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is about helping others. It's about being a witness for Jesus. So when a person becomes a Christian, the Holy Spirit is inside them, every Christian. But that doesn't mean that they have received the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Now, here's the example I would use. It's one thing to take a drink of water, and it's another thing to go swimming in water. Right? Literally, when you receive salvation, the Holy Spirit is inside you. It's like a drink of water. Right? But Jesus said to be baptized. That word baptized literally means to immerse. That's what it means, to immerse. Right? So let's take a look in our Bible, in the New Testament, and see what happened as we, as we watch people. Now, let me remind you that Jesus said, if you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? He said, you need to ask. He expected people to ask. And when Peter is preaching on the day of Pentecost, there's thousands of people there. And they said, what do we need to do? He said to them, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sin, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promise. What promise? The promise of the Father, the gift of the Holy Spirit is to you, to your children, to as many as are afar off, as many as the Lord your God shall call. I was reading a Reinhardt Bonnke book with Jeannie a while back, and he said this about this. He says, he said, it is not just for the disciples alone, an elite band. Peter said otherwise. He said, the promise is to you, to your children, to all who are afar off, as many as the Lord your God shall call. He quotes the promise from Joel 2.28, where God said, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. Right? This is not just something that just happened on the day of Pentecost. It is something that you find is a part of the normal Christian experience all through the book of Acts. Remember, Jude, verse 3, to contend earnestly for the faith that was delivered once for all. Once for all. Right? There should not be a difference between what happened in the first century, what happens in the 21st century. So, in Acts chapter 8, we find one of the deacons in the church of Jerusalem by the name of Philip. He goes down to the city of Samaria, and the Bible said he preached Christ to them. 
the multitude with one accord, heeding the things spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits, crying out with a loud voice, came out of many who were possessed, and many who were paralyzed and lame were healed. There was great joy in that city. Verse 12. But when they believed Philip's preaching, the things concerning the kingdom of God, same thing Jesus preached, in the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. So Philip preaches, and the people believe, and they're baptized. Now, Jesus said in Mark 16, he who believes and is baptized will be saved. These are saved people. All right. Now, verse 14 says, Now when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, and in just case you're wondering, are they really saved? Well, the Bible says that when the apostles at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent unto them Peter and John. So Peter and John ought to know. Peter said, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible seed, even the word of God that lives and endures forever. So we've got two testimonies, Jesus' testimony and Peter's testimony. They're saved. So the apostles at Jerusalem hear that Samaria had received the word of God. They sent unto them Peter and John, who when they had come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit. For he had not yet fallen upon none or any of them. Only they had been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. So we got a whole town of people who get saved and baptized, but the Holy Spirit has not yet fallen upon any, none, nobody. In fact, all the apostles in Jerusalem here, Samaria has received the word of God, and they sent Peter and John to pray for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. They didn't send them to get them saved so that they'd go to heaven, they'd receive eternal life. No, they sent them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. Isn't that interesting? And then the Bible says that they laid their hands on them and they received the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit. So here what we see has happened. First of all, they believe, they're water baptized, they're saved. Then Jerusalem hears, they send Peter and John, they pray for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. Now that's a, that's a good illustration of what happens most of the time. Now we find Paul, who was not Paul yet, his name was Saul. He was persecuting the church. He's on his way to Damascus. He's going to arrest the Christians that he can find there, bring them back to Jerusalem, and have them punished. And on his way, he sees a vision of Jesus. And he says, who are you, Lord? He says, I'm Jesus of Nazareth, whom you're persecuting. He's trembling and astonished and said, Lord, what do you want me to do? The Lord said to him, Arise, go into the city, and it will be told you what you must do. So he goes in the city. For three days, three nights, the Bible says he's fasting and he's praying. And it says that there was a certain disciple. This guy is not an apostle. He's not a pastor. He's just a disciple named Ananias. And to him said the Lord in a vision, Ananias. And he said, Behold, here I am, Lord. And the Lord said to him, Arise and go to the street that's called Straight. And inquire of the house of Judas, for one saw of Tarsus, for behold, he's praying. And he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias coming in, putting his hands on him that he might receive his sight. So Ananias went his way. He entered into the house. He laid his hands on him and said to him, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you came, has sent me that you might receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. 
and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Was the Holy Spirit already in him? Yes, he was saved. But there was more that God wanted for him to receive, right? Then we look in Acts chapter 19. It says that in the first verse, and it came to pass that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus, finding certain disciples, he said to them, have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? Since you believe. At salvation, it's automatic. But there is more. Jesus wants to baptize you in the Holy Spirit. And they said, we have not so much as heard that there is a Holy Spirit. We went to the same church as Duane. <laughs> How many of you went to a church you hardly heard anything about the Holy Spirit? I mean, we knew the Holy Spirit existed because we quoted the Apostles' Creed. All right. But other than that, we just didn't hear much of anything about the Holy Spirit. They said, we have not so much as heard whether there be any Holy Spirit. He said to them, how were you baptized? Now, how many of you know when you get baptized, you ought to at least hear about the Holy Spirit? Because we baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So we ought to at least hear about him. All right. So Paul says, how then were you baptized? And they said, well, we were just baptized into John's baptism. And Paul said, John, verily baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him who would come after him, that is on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul has laid his hands on them, the Holy Ghost came upon them, and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. Now, again, first they believe, then Paul lays hands on them, and they receive the Holy Spirit. There are five instances in the New Testament right, where people receive the Holy Spirit. In one case, at Cornelius' house, they get saved and they receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit and speak with tongues all at the same time. But in the other four cases, or 80% of the time, it happens after they believe, after they've been baptized. Right? So the norm is that it happens after. And again, Jesus said that we need to ask for the Holy Spirit. Now, somebody says, well, you know, I've, I've heard about that tongue stuff and I just don't get it. You know, I don't understand that. Well, 1 Corinthians 14, 2 says, he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. And no one understands him. Howbeit in the spirit, he speaks mysteries. Now, first of all, it says that if the person is speaking in tongues, that they're talking to God. Right? Now, how many of you know what that, that it's always good to talk to God? Right? And we call that prayer, by the way. That's why it's usually referred to as a prayer language. Right? And notice it says, nobody understands them. Somebody said to me, I don't understand. I said, well, quit eavesdropping. They're not talking to you. You're, you're not supposed to understand. All right? Because this is a private conversation. It's just them and God. It says, he who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 4. It literally means to build yourself up. They tell us, that, of course, the, the New Testament was originally written in Koine Greek. And they tell us if we had somebody who spoke Koine Greek and they got up in a cold January morning, went out to their car, put the key in the ignition and turned it and had that terrible sound. How many of you have ever had that tick, 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 tick? Heard that, right? You know what has to happen. You need to charge your battery. You know what they would say? I need to edify my battery. That is the Greek word that's used there. 
In other words, when you pray in tongues, it builds you, you up spiritually. All right? It says in Jude, but you, beloved, praying in the Holy Spirit, building up your most holy faith. In 1 Corinthians 14, 14, it says, but if I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit prays by the Holy Spirit within me. So when, when a person is praying in tongues, listen, the Bible says that it's your spirit with the help of the Holy Spirit praying. Right? Now, that's different. Normally, we pray with our mind. Right? But how many of you know that sometimes your mind is messed up? You know, we, we pray those prayers like, you know, Lord, bless me, my wife, our son, his wife, us four, no more, Acts 2, 4. You know, that's, that's kind of our, like our prayers, you know. But you don't pray any selfish prayers when you're praying in tongues because it's the Holy Spirit through your spirit that's praying. And notice it says your mind is unfruitful, King James, unproductive, amplified. In other words, it, this is like a Holy Ghost bypass operation. He says, you got so many problems in your head, we're just going to skip your head. All right? The Holy Spirit is going to help your spirit get right down to the will of God on this situation. All right? Now, um, let, me, let me just close with a little story. In 19, this is a long story. This is my first closing, all right? In, in 1980, Jeannie and I are missionaries. We're living in Mexico. We're living in Guadalajara. But I get an invitation from Pastor Samuel Noguera to go and preach at his church in Tepeapulco, Hidalgo. It's a little south of Mexico City, maybe 60, 70 miles south. Now, this is the most Pentecostal church I have ever seen in my life. All right? The church is painted purple, and it's got tongues of fire all the way around the top. Right? And I get invited to come on Pentecost Sunday morning, 1980, all right, for the upper room service. Now, they didn't tell me, but the whole church has been praying for three days for that service, praying and fasting for three days. Right? So I get there, and this place is packed already. Right? Now, I've got to tell you a little bit about this church. Right? There's a set of pews about like this set right here. And then there's an identical set over on the other side of the main aisle. There's an aisle on each side and one aisle up the middle. All the women sit on this side. And all the men sit on this side. And never in church do they cross. Never. Right? This is it. Men on one side, women on the other side. Now, in addition to that, all of the women wear a head covering. You know, the Bible talks about head coverings. But let me just help you here. It says that your hair is given to you as a covering. All right? That's what it says there. So, but they take it to an extreme. And, and they've got, all of them wear like this little thing over their head. All right? And you say, why did they do that? Well, it means they're in submission. In fact, I was preaching in a different village one time. And uh, after the service, we go, and this is, this is really crazy. But every place, you, I don't care where it is in the world, this is the way it is in India, this is the way it is in Russia, this is the way it is in Mexico. Every place you preach and then you eat. Okay? So preach, and then we go to the pastor's house. because this is, this is a village, 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 all right? And, and uh, we're, we're eating there, and I don't know what pastor did, but his wife was mad. Right? And all of a sudden, she grabs him, 
And she takes her head covering, she throws it on the floor. She stomps on that thing. She says, why did you do that? You should have done that to me. And I'm so mad at you. And you do that again, I tell you right now. I am going to get you so bad and you do that again. You'll never touch me again. I tell you, I'm so mad at you. For like a minute, she is screaming at him. And then she picked up her head covering, put it on. Went in the cor- Literally, she went in the corner and prayed for like 20 minutes. <laughs> and I thought, ooh, my goodness, I'm not going to cross that woman. <laughs> but, but, but that head covering in that culture, okay, means I'm in submission. And when she wasn't, she took it off. <laughs> you, knew she, you knew she wasn't in submission. It, men, run, run. Okay. And then one more thing you need to know, all right. And again, this was a cultural thing. This is 1980. This is a village, all right? And pants were just, if you wore pants, it was a little bit risque, okay? So they have a sign on the outside of the church that says, no women in pants allowed. You know, and I'm like, what is up with that? How many of you know the church is supposed to reach out? I'd be I'd like, all women with pants come. But they're like, no, they didn't want any of them, okay? Just so you know, because it's part of the story. So finally, I get, uh, Pastor Samuel and I, we come in, service has already started, place is packed, it's just, it is cranking, music is loud, everybody's worshiping God, hands are up, and I'm on the platform because they had this deal where the pastors and the elders all sat on the platform. How many remember that? It's terrible. When I became pastor of this church, that was the first thing I changed, first week, no more on the platform. I wanted to sit with my wife. So... I'm sitting up there, and the back door opens, and a man comes in, which was not unusual. But behind him, there's a woman. And he finds, and literally he squeezes in on the men's side. And she squeezes in right next to him on the men's side. And she did not have a head covering on, and she wore pants. So I knew immediately, this is a center woman. She had, not, she had not been to any church like this ever in her life, all right? But the reason I remember all this is because the moment she sat down, she just begins to sob. She is just sobbing, right? Now, later she told me, she said, I was on my way to work this morning. She says, I'm a hairdresser. She says, and I'm standing at the bus stop waiting for the bus. He said, and I don't know what happened, but she said, something just came all over me. And I just started to cry. And I said, God, my life is a mess. She said, my family is a mess. She says, I'm so depressed, I just want to kill myself. And I don't know what to do. And she says, God, just help me. Show me what to do. She opens her eyes. And the guy standing next to her has got a black book. And on the back it says, Santa Biblia, Holy Bible. And she said right there, she says, I just decided wherever he was going, I was going with him. So he waved down a bus. She just jumped on the bus right with him, sat next to him. He got off. She got off. He walked a block and turned right. She walked a block, 10 feet behind him, turns right. He goes a half a block, turns into the church, walks right in the back door. I saw him. I saw her follow. So I preach. Now, they're used to long services, all right? So I probably preach someplace between an hour and 20 minutes, maybe an hour and a half, all right? And then remember, this is a Pentecostal church, and it's the Pentecost Sunday morning, upper room service. So I'm supposed to pray for people to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So I said, I said, if you would like to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I would like you to come forward. And I thought, if we have 10 people, this is going to be a landslide. 
Right? But when I said that, it was like they jumped. I mean, like, I blink, and the altar is full of people. Now, I don't know if there was 100, 150, but there are just people everywhere up front in this church. There's like no room. But this woman, the sinner, she came forward with pants on, no head covering. And she's, she's even on the men's side. And I know she's not saved. So she can't receive the Holy Spirit. Because Jesus said, the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive. If she received the Holy Spirit, she'd blow up. That's what I think. Now, I'm going to hold that one, all right? But yeah, you can't be not saved and receive the Holy Spirit. I think you'd blow up. But, so, so tricky fellow that I am, all right? What I did was I led everybody in a sinner's prayer. And then I led them in the prayer that Jesus gives us in Luke chapter 11, where he said, if you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will not your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? So I had everybody ask for the Holy Spirit. And then I went down over here. And you say, why did you go down here? Because my mama did not raise a fool. Right? Women are more spiritual than men. And as a general rule, they receive easier than men. Right? So I thought, I've been preaching for about an hour and a half. I'm going to the easy side. <laughs> I sent all the elders and the pastors to the other side. And I said to this lady, this is the first lady there. Now, there, remember, there's just people everywhere. I said, now, I'm going to lay hands on you. And when I do, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. I said, and if you sense anything, you just begin to speak. Just begin to speak. You speak that language, whatever it is. So she lifts her hands. I said, receive the Holy Spirit. I laid hands on her immediately, immediately. She starts, I'm not, I'm just going to say this. I am not recommending what happened. I'm just giving you a report, all right? Immediately, she, her hands are up. She starts speaking in tongues as loud as she could. Then everybody, I mean everybody in the church, jumped to their feet, threw their hands in the air, and everybody starts speaking in tongues as loud as they could. And I, they had no sound treatment. I'm telling you, it sounded like Niagara Falls in that place. It is noisy. So I go to the next lady and I say, I'm going to lay hands on you. And when I do, I'm not kidding. All right. I lay hands. On, I, I pray for like 10 ladies, maybe more. All right. I've been preaching. Now I'm shouting and I'm thinking I need a break. So I go on up to on the platform. All right. Now, Pastor Merle has been there. This is the biggest podium either of us has ever seen. It's 15, 16 feet probably long and then four or five feet on each side. And inside, there's a spot, there's this water for the speaker. So I get my water and I'm looking and checking everything out, making sure everything's going good. And one of the elders runs up and he's crying. And he said, I am praying for people and they are receiving the Holy Spirit. I said, good, get back down there. In fact, go over on this side, you know. <laughs> and he says, no, you do not understand. He said, I have been a Christian for 30 years, but I have been seeking the baptism of the Holy Spirit for 30 years, and I've never received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and I'm praying for people, and they're receiving. Well, let me just say, that's proof of one thing, that no man baptizes in the Holy Spirit, but John the Baptist said that he, Jesus, will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Now, I knew immediately what his problem was. He was trying to earn the Holy Spirit. 
Now, the Bible calls it the gift of the Holy Spirit. How many of you know salvation is also a gift? And you don't get good enough to get saved. You don't clean yourself up and then, okay, now, God, you can save me because I'm good. Now, he'll clean his own fish. He'll take you right the way that you are. And the same thing is true with the Holy Spirit. So I said to him, I said, I have a word. Now, I didn't mean for him to think this, but he thought God had spoken to me like in an audible voice. All right. But I did have a word from Luke 11, where Jesus said that everyone that asks receives. And that if you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will not your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? I said, we're going to pray and I'm going to lay hands on you. And when I do, you're going to receive instantly. He said, really? I said, yes. He's like, all right, all right. You know, so he just prays that simple little prayer. And I was, going, I, was, I was going to pray for him and lay hands on him, but I didn't even get to. All right? He just begins to speak out in this beautiful language, heavenly language. Now, it took him 30 years, took her 10 minutes. Probably not even 10 minutes, right? Because she understood that salvation is a gift. The Holy Spirit is a gift. Jesus said he's a good gift. Jesus said, it's beneficial for you that I go away. Because if I go, I will send to you the Comforter, the Holy Spirit. All right? Would everybody please stand? Paul said to the disciples at Ephesus, have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? And that is my question to you today. Have you received since you believed? You say, how would I know? Jesus said you would have power, power to be a witness. And when you receive that baptism of the Holy Spirit, you receive an ability to speak in that heavenly language. Now, if you're here today and you say, Pastor, I have not received the Holy Spirit since I believed. And you'd like to, I want to invite you right now to just move out of your seat, wherever that is. For more information about Res Life, please visit our website at reslife.org. If you have questions about Res Life or would like directions to visit us, please feel free to call 616-534-4923.